1: Uh, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Armed American
0: Radio's Monster Cast live on hundreds of radio stations around the nation here in the Car Firearms Group studios on this Sig Sauer, very powerful Sig Sauer Platinum microphone. All of it being presented to you today and every day by X Insurance. As I often remind you, this is not the end of your week. This is the beginning of your week. Greg over in Dallas, Texas, welcome in. Please tell people where they can watch this program in high
2: definition on their televisions and their devices, please. Sure. Just head on over to armedamericanradio.org. In that top right-hand corner, you can see three little hash marks. Just give those a click, and when that window opens up, select that watch live option. If you're doing something and you can't watch, you would rather listen, well, just click the link above. That's our listen live option as well. So when you do that, you'll see two subsequent links pop open. One's going to be for the Monday through Friday day Daily Defense Broadcast, and the other is for this program right here, the Sunday MonsterCast. If you've missed any of the previous episodes of either of these two broadcasts, we'll head on over to the podcast link right above Listen Live and get caught up wherever you may have missed. And if you're a fan of the show and you'd like to support us while you're out and about, we'll head on down to the shop link and pick you something nice up over there. Lastly, if you'd like to join our live chat, head on over to your app store, grab the Telegram messaging app, creature profile, and search for Armed American Radio Conversations.
0: That'll get you in, and that'll get you participating. Our first guest today, and it's going to be a dynamite show. I'm going to warn you, it flies by. Buckle in now. We've got a lot of information to cover you with a lot of great guests, including Alan Gottlieb, John Lott, Stephen Gatowski from The Reload, AWR Hawkins from Breitbart, and, of course, Brad Neal and Justin in a Classic Roundtable. Let's get this party started with Mr. Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. Alan, welcome in, my friend. It is always a pleasure.
3: Yes, I love being with your listeners, so thank you for having me, Mark.
0: Well, they love having you on the program because we get all of these amazing updates. In fact, we comment about that just about every week after you're off air with us live on the mics. Alan, I'm, I'm going to take you to Washington State. There's a lot going on out there, but you and I chatted briefly today, and I guess we're going to break something here on Armed American Radio with a new case. Can we do that, or am I ahead of myself?
3: It's not exactly a new case. Uh, it's been an ongoing case for multiple years, but the Second Amendment Foundation will be filing our reply to a motion for summary judgment by Cook County, Illinois, to try and negate our assault and ban suit, which, of course, they're not going to be successful at, but we'll be filing right. a brief tomorrow, tomorrow, so you're listening to an inside scoop, so to speak.
0: Yeah, so let's get started with this inside dope here. Uh, I'm going to go through some bullet points with you, but this is Cook County. The background here, ladies and gentlemen, is Cook County, Chicago area. Makes it illegal to manufacture, sell, offer, or display for sale, give, lend, transfer, ownership of, acquire, carry, or possess common semi-automatic rifles, which it has labeled, as you know it to be in the media assault weapons, etc., And it goes on to list some of those features, only a pistol grip without a stock attached, any feature capable of functioning as a protruding grip, et cetera. You've seen those explanations. We've discussed them ad nauseum here. And the plaintiffs in this case, Coberto uh, Viramantes and Christopher Kaya, are law-abiding residents of Cook County who wish to own AR-15-style semi-auto rifles for lawful purposes. Alan, let's go through this motion, this brief, and part of this argument. Where are we now after all of this time? What's
2: new here?
3: Well, let me go back a little bit so it puts it in context. We filed this case against Cook County, Illinois, which encompasses Chicago, prior to the Bruin decision. And this is one of our times of trying to preset the table because we thought we were going to win Bruin, which we did. And so the the, uh, county is is engaged in a significant amount of discovery with us to try and slow this down, they've gone through all the discovery, and now they've got to sort of, you know, come up and step up to the table and answer the complaint. So they answered the complaint with a motion for summary judgment that, based off, you know, not Bruin, so to speak, but uh, a previous, you know, case law that, quote unquote, they're allowed to ban these guns, trying to go back to the balancing test that existed before the Bruin decision, uh, which now is only, you know, in the text and the history of the Second Amendment. Uh, and so they come back now and argue this, and we've just really smashed them with our our, our uh, opposition motion, which is to be filed tomorrow. Uh, and what's really interesting with this is that they've taken the approach, which, by the way, the Second Amendment Foundation, uh, after this coming week, will have eight of these cases challenging a so-called assault weapon bans across the country taking the same position that some of the other states have now taken, a lot of which comes out of the Duke Law Center um, on trying to figure out how to get around Bruin. Uh, and they, they're trying to go back to re-argue, you know, the balancing test argument that there's a government interest in, in, in keeping us safe, so to speak, by banning guns. Um, and, of course, that's not what Bru- Bruin rules. So they got a problem there. And what's really interesting is is that in the discovery, we found out lots of things. that we used against them in this motion. Uh, Mark, one of the fun ones is that they're talking about how dangerous this is and how these guns are all used in crime. Well, the fact is in Chicago in the calendar year that they they gave us for information, uh, guns used in crime, the 20 top guns used in crime, had nothing to do with assault uh, assault weapons. And, in fact, the city only confiscated these in crime being held illegally, so three so-called assault weapons in a whole calendar year. But they're arguing these things are, you know, unusual and dangerous. Uh, and in order to get around the decision, they have to both be both unusual and dangerous. I mean obviously, all guns are dangerous to some extent, that doesn't make them illegal or that the cities, counties, or states can ban them uh, and so this is really interesting so they're trying to get their analogy I love this. Let's try and get their analogy that these guns are uh, are dangerous. So they basically said an a r fifteen really is an m sixteen and the reason is <laughs> because the, the reason is because somebody can get a hold of parts to try and make the gun fire fully automatic. And because they can get a, get a, get a hold of parts, it makes it just as if it was, a, a, you know, uh, a, you know uh, an M-16, not an AR-15. Uh, and the, the proof of that they have is that the, the Bureau of Tobacco, Firearms, over a number of years, has confiscated several hundred parts that could have been used to make these guns fully automatic. Of course, they never can show that any class actually got used to make a gun fully automatic. Um, you know, but somehow some gun, it, it's of like saying that we're they, going to ban the pipes in your house that bring water into your house, so somebody can cut those pipes up and make a pipe bomb out of it. That it makes it's the exact way, same analogy. Dangerous and unusual.
0: It, that is incredible. This. No, that's an incredible analogy. I didn't even think about it in the in that context, but you are absolutely correct. Ladies and gentlemen, what they have to do, the word stretch Armstrong comes to my mind, okay? The character, because this is literally what they're attempting to do. Now, Alan, they're going even farther, and in the third part of part of this argument that they work to get around this is the county is now turning to the marketing of the rifles, claiming that AR-15s and similar firearms quoting from the motion have been marketed as having a connection to military firearms. But if the AR-15's actual features do not make it like M-16s, which they're claiming, then select examples of advertising certainly do not either. And again, the ultimate point here is that as bindingly interpreted by, uh, interpreted by Heller and reaffirmed by Bruin, even military fire arms fall within the amendments plain plain text and as a matter of history arms that are in common use cannot be banned so we go right back to that common use and then you point out that it has to be common use and dangerous would you explain that just a little bit more in detail the combination of common use and dangerous
3: well that really goes back to the heller decision and uh justice Scalia's uh, opinion, opinion majority opinion for the court uh he, he referenced the fact that, like, you know, he basically said a machine gun isn't necessarily commonly owned, so it, 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 it wouldn't necessarily be covered by the Second Amendment, uh, because it, 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 you could argue it is not commonly owned, and a machine gun could be considered dangerous. Uh, but again, they're trying to stretch a semi-automatic firearm is equal to a machine gun, which obviously you can't, I and mean, it's just not the case. They're also arguing that bullets fired by an AR-15 are, are, are dangerous and, I guess, unusual in, in their mind because they, they're so powerful and, 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 and more deadly. Which surely isn't true, because as an example, they've banned 22 caliber AR-15s um, a, a, as well. If you wanted to fire, you know, a, a 22, uh, which is significantly less deadly, uh, you know, that's banned as well. And then likewise, you can add to that that the normal hunting rifle round is more it's significantly more deadly than any round fired by any AR-15. Uh, but, you know, again, they don't know what they're talking about. So they put themselves in a box because their the, the rhetoric doesn't, mat, doesn't match facts. Period, but then on the other hand, we are you know we, we pointed out in our in our motion that it doesn't really matter. None of that matters. This isn't about a balancing test. It's not about what's more dangerous or less dangerous per se, or or or, 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 or we might misuse or whatever. Uh, the b- bottom line is is that it, it, it's about you know under under Bruin, it's about commonly owned firearms and in and history, and that's it.
0: And Alito made it very clear, also as did Heller, that in common use. Cannot be unusual and dangerous. Armed American Radio will be back with Alan Gottlieb. We're going to move over to Washington State next. A lot going on.
4: It's well known that we live in a world where even good police officers can become targets for frivolous lawsuits. At X Insurance, we provide liability insurance for police officers to eliminate your exposure and to protect you. We're the very best at what we do, and we've been doing it for more than 40 years. We offer same day quotes and solutions, so call us today or have your insurance agent call us. But call today, and let's get that target off your back. For more information, visit xinsurance.com. That's xinsurance.com.
6: Daniel Defense, firearms are guaranteed for life, trusted worldwide, and designed, engineered, and manufactured right here in America. Daniel Defense, freedom, passion, precision.
0: Freedom, passion, and precision, as I often say, something the Democrats know nothing about. Daniel Defense certainly does. If you are watching the broadcast, you can thank Daniel Defense, and you can also thank lead slingers. Please go out of your way to visit all of our partners. You can find them all at armedamericanradio.com. And don't forget, armedamericannews.com. Remember, Car Firearms Group Studio, Six Hour Mike, all of this is being presented to you today, every minute of this show, six days a week, by the great X Insurance. We're going to continue the conversation with Mr. Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. Alan, let me just go through quickly uh, some of the bullet points listed on the motion here and see if you'd like to comment on any of them. Feel free to stop me before we move to Washington State. And... Uh, Let me jump down to... Let me slide through here. I'm having a tough time getting through all this. Uh, The banned firearms are within the meaning of the Second Amendment. We know that. You've explained that. Heller establishes that all rifles are arms. The banned rifles cannot be excluded from the amendment scope on the asserted ground that they are, quote-unquote, like M16s. And you go on to in great detail in the motion for that. Cook County's ban is unconstitutional because the banned firearms are in common use and therefore not necessarily... Not are not necessarily and therefore necessarily not dangerous and unusual weapons. We went through that. Firearms in common use cannot be dangerous and unusual. The banned firearms are in common use. Let's tackle that one briefly before we go to Washington. There are an estimated 20 to 25 million AR 15s, Alan, in a country of 320 million people. That tells me these are in common use. Now, this is case eight of 50. This telegraphs to me that the Supreme Court is eventually going to get one of these cases and put this issue to bed. Would I be fair in my assumption there?
3: Well, that's what our game plan is. That's what we filed eight of these cases. as a picture we currently have in federal courts against these so-called assaulting bans. I mean, we've been to memory mark, but I think we have one in Connecticut, New York, Maryland, Illinois as a state, Cook County, Chicago as a city. Uh, oregon california and we'll be calling washington this coming week if the governor signs it as scheduled
0: all right so let's go to washington uh did you want to cover else cover anything else in this motion did we touch on everything you wanted uh listeners to know
3: yeah, you mentioned the fact that there's at least 20, 20, 25 million. I think we used in the brief that uh, we cite some evidence that this at least 24 million uh, okay. and proving that they're commonly owned. Um, and, you know, and uh, again, Chicago or Il- Cook County is trying to take it back to totally argue like mm-hmm. it never happened and they were still under the old test. Uh, You know, and it it just isn't going to work. And the reason we have these eight cases going on all in different uh, places in the country, different circuits, is that, you know, if we get a circuit split, the Supreme Court's pretty much obligated and forced to take the case and forces to hand. Um, And, you know, the odds are we're not going to win all eight because we don't get all judges that line up the right way. Uh, But this should ensure that this case, as you just asked that question rhetorically, yes, it should get to the U.S. Supreme Court. This case here, we just talked about talked about in the course of Washington following this week probably won't be the first one to get there since there are six other ones you're know, already in the queue But mm-hmm. will every get to the Supreme court when one of these it will affect all eight
0: Yeah okay so I, I ladies and gentlemen if I feel good about this because Alan feels good about this I want to tell you Solidly, that you should feel good about this too. But this is time consuming stuff. And let me throw a plug in. These cases are not cheap. And the Second Amendment Foundation needs our help. It's 15 bucks to be a, uh, an annual membership, 15 bucks to join hundreds of thousands of others over at the Second Amendment Foundation, myself included. So please join us. Visit SAF.org and help us in these cases. Now, there are 50 of them. We've got an upcoming case that's going to be filed this week in Washington. Alan, just a brief setup. Washington has been toying with this idea for quite some time. It appears that Washington is set to hand this bill to Inslee, who is now going to sign the the Washington assault weapons ban. Everybody on the gun control, the gun grabber, the professional prohibitionist over there is giddy about this bill. Clearly, Inslee. Knows that the Second Amendment Foundation is going to challenge this. They know they've got a tough road to hoe here. Are they even aware of these other cases going on? Do they not care? And tell us what we're getting ready to challenge and how we're getting ready to handle Washington State, if you would.
3: Well, this bill banning all this stuff as Washington State is already on the governor's desk. It's, it's gone through the legislative process and, and it's now sitting on his desk. And of course, he's represented by Attorney General Bob Ferguson, who's, you know, we're engaged, we're engaged in a number of other suits already uh, against Washington gun laws. And so they're very aware that the Foundation will definitely be filing a suit in this case. Uh, and the suit seems ready to go. We just, we just can't file it until the governor actually signs the bill. And uh, it'll be one day this week, I'm sure. We're surprised it didn't happen late last week. Uh, mm-hmm. but, they, but there's no doubt it's going to go. Uh, they, they had a clean provision in the legislature because the state and it didn't totally uh, put the same language in the House did, and then they ended up repealing a section of it that would have allowed, listen to this one, would have allowed people in the military to get transferred from a base in another state to a base in Washington to bring their, their so-called assault weapon with them if they've previously owned it skip that. So if you're in the military and you get reassigned to Washington State, you've lost your gun. Uh, oh. they, 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 that's how strict the Washington State one is. And will definitely be—you know—it's definitely going to get filed. They're definitely aware of it. They've been monitoring, watching all of our other suits. They've seen the arguments that's being made. The Duke Law Center is basically giving talking points and the anti-gun attorney General to try and defend these laws. They're aware of all the talking points, and, and none of none of them. None of them strong. Uh, we're kind of excited about uh, you know getting these cases from the U.S. Supreme Court. And of course, Washington is going to claim that, you know hey, this is perfectly legitimate. And part of their argument is, is that we're not invading your right to keep your arms because you can have other kinds of guns. So of course, just because you're banning this kind of gun, it makes it okay. So it's like saying, you know, there's just there's some books in the library, it's fine, but we can ban this book if you want to be in the library that you want to take out, because you can ban that one because you need read a different book. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make
0: sense. No pass. No, it definitely doesn't. And one thing about Washington, and I think it's very important we point out because, ladies and gentlemen, this bill's been on his desk. I'm actually shocked it wasn't signed as well. But the ban in Washington, Alan, encompasses virtually all semi-automatic rifles. Now, when you talk common use, so I I, I don't understand. Help me understand why they're doing this in light of Bruin knowing a very strong challenge is coming. Is this part of the same equation that you and I've been talking about for the last couple of years? Just throw this against the wall. Hope it sticks. One of these cases somehow survives constitutional muster and the rest of the gun grabbers can use it as an example or as a blueprint for what they want to do in their state. Help me understand and listeners understand the rationale, because I can I can sense people shaking their head, wondering why this is happening.
3: Well, you know, I understand our opponents, where they're coming from. They want, you know, and they want to ban all guns. I understand exactly where they're coming from, but the problem with their timing doesn't make any sense to me. We have a 6-3 majority in the Supreme Court that's really affirmed gun rights. This isn't the time they should want one of these cases to get there. They should be doing everything they can to wait until they get control of the Supreme Court to maybe try and do something. I can't really say why they're doing it, aside from the fact that they're true believers, they're blind in their you know philosophy of trying to ban gun ownership, Uh, and they're and they're smarting over the Bruen decision to the point that they they. Just want, they want to ignore it. They want to pretend it isn't there. Uh, and they, they, want, they want to just, you know, rise up against the law. So, to say, talking about insurrection, I mean, there's an insurrection against yeah. court decisions, but they'll go their way.
0: They're, they're acting like little children, kicking toys out of the sandbox before they leave. They know they've been beaten. They know the decision is a firm one. They know it's a Supreme Court decision. And they also know Alan Gottlieb is in the trenches doing battle with them, not where they want to find themselves. Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation, thank you, sir, for updating us on both cases and for everything you do. SAF.org, ladies and gentlemen, join us. We'll be back right after this with John Lott.
6: class today. That's LegalHeat.com. Promo code AAR. the voice of reason on kqam wichita's big talker and you're tuned into the armed american radio network now let's get back to the man himself mark
0: walters uh, welcome back in armed american radio's monster cast here in the car firearms group studios on this extremely powerful sig sour microphone hundreds of radio stations tuned in around the nation today so we're glad you're with us remember all of this is brought to you every day six days a week this show and the daily defense show by the great x insurance greg over in dallas texas we always learn so much from Mr. Gottlieb. It, it astonishes me what information we get from him. I, certainly the left has to understand that what they're up against with him. It just doesn't make sense to me that they continue to do what they're doing, knowing they're going to have these cases thrown at them, eight of 50 cases. And you know what? There's probably going to be a ninth, guys. It's that simple. Oh, man, I, I, it's, it's terrible, but we know it's coming. Okay, John Lott, founder, Crime Research Dot org, John, welcome to the program. Let's start. Well, we're probably going to take the entire two segments with you to talk about your testimony in Texas. And, John, I'm going to be honest with you. I could have played. It's about a 28-minute clip. I could have played the whole thing over two segments and just let people hear what you were up against in Texas. Now, we're going to pull a few minutes of that clip out at some point while we're talking. But would you enlighten listeners to what you were doing and what you were there in front of that panel talking about and then we'll switch gears and and talk about how you were handled or treated by the Democrats which was nothing short of disgusting and disgraceful I'll say that but uh, why were you there what were you talking about what bill is up tell us clue us in
5: well there were there were 17 gun control bills that were up before this panel I was I testified on five of them and uh The one that you're talking about was uh, to go and raise the age for people to be able to go and possess guns to to 21 years of age. And, uh, you know, part of what I was trying to do, they had like an hour and a half or something before I testified of, uh, of people who had lost loved ones at Uvalde. And they were all saying, you know, we need to do something, you know, and what we need to do is raise the age that people could have guns because the murderer uh, at Uvalde was 18 years of age. <clears throat> and so I basically tried to talk about, uh, you know, some of the facts there. And But my main point was to go and explain, look, I want to do something, but let's do something that matters. So let's look at what these mass murderers say when they go and they pick these targets let's go and and try to get an idea understanding of uh, of how to deter them from going and committing these types of crimes to begin with and you know I, there there's so many issues that would come up in this so you know the the families that were going beforehand would go and point about the rate that uh, 18 19 and 20-year-olds uh, commit violent crime and it's true 18 19 and 20 year olds do mm-hmm. commit violent crime at relatively high rates the problem is is that they're not talking about taking guns away from all 18 19 20 year olds they're talking about changing the rules so that the law abiding 18 19 and 20 year olds who go through background checks are no longer going to be allowed to be able to go and buy guns legally well uh, <clears throat> There's data that I provided to the committee uh, that basically showed that, look, uh, the 18-, 19-, and 20-year-olds who go through and legally purchase guns, they're not the guys you need to worry about. They're extremely law-abiding. And, uh, you know, to go and look at all of them, the crime rate for all of them, because the types of people who go and commit crimes, you know, murder, for example, about 90% of murderers have a violent criminal record. It's illegal for the vast majority of them uh, to be able to even have guns to begin with. So you're not changing their ability to go and get guns because you're stopping law abiding 18, 19, 20 year olds. And they're the ones you have to look at. And so, anyway, those are among the points I was making. But the main thing I, I've tried to focus on since you know everybody was saying, we got to do something, we got to do something, was to say, let's get rid of these gun-free
0: zones that are there. And, John, they didn't want to hear it. Uh, the Democrats didn't want to hear it. I, I, as I went through and listened to it, one of the one of the questions I have, and you were there, and you could hear, and you had to sit through everybody else's testimony, and I'm sure it was harrowing for all of them, and we all understand where they're coming from. Of course, they, they they've lost people, their children. They want something done. But they're focusing in the wrong direction. Did you by any chance get the sense that what you were explaining sank into anybody or were they just not there for that? Do they not care? Uh, Were they open to talking with you? Did you have an opportunity to talk to any of those victims at all by chance?
5: Uh, No, I mean, uh, look, when I show up at these places and you have, uh, uh, you know, moms demand action and stuff, uh, if I if there's any interaction, it's usually when they discover who I am and they start yelling at me and stuff, that's usually the interaction I have. But look, uh, you have basically three groups of, of legislators that were on this panel. Uh, you have uh, the Democrats, and then the Republicans are divided into two groups. You have people who would be sympathetic to your views on it, and then <coughs> – The uh, Republican House Speaker, uh, who the Democrats supported a lot when he became Speaker, um, uh, is kind of uh, a rhino, I guess people would say. And he uh, he appointed a couple Republicans to the panel who are generally not, you know, are sympathetic to many different types of gun control. So there's seven Republicans and five Democrats. And in order to kind of defeat these bills that are being put up, you have to get the Republicans kind of united together. You have to get not only the ones that would agree with you, but also these kind of moderate Republicans to also go along. And and that's who I – I think I made a difference with them. I was told by the state representative who invited me that uh, – He thought that they were going to be able to go and defeat these bills. But, uh, you know, it's uh, that's I I didn't think I It's particularly after the questioning, as you mentioned earlier, I didn't think I was going to get any of the Democrats uh, to vote uh, against these bills.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question. My father taught me years and years ago that the only stupid question is the one that's not asked, so I'm going to ask what is obviously probably a stupid question. uh, But that was, did did any, because what you laid out is pure common sense. The people that are going to be affected by what it is they want to, when they say they want to do something, are law-abiding 18 to 21-year-olds who are the law-abiding people that are going in to purchase their firearms lawfully. They're not gangbangers or or murderers. And you point out statistics that 90 percent of these people uh, are already have felony records, are are prohibited from purchasing guns anyway in the age group where the crime is occurring that you mentioned in your testimony. Did was there any Democrat on this? Here comes a stupid question. Was there any Democrat on the panel sympathetic to your common sense response to that, your obvious common sense response to that to that at all?
5: Well, um, I only got questions or interactions with three of the Democrats, three of the five. Uh, but you know, I was listening to the re- discussions from the other two Democrats, and they and they were uh, obviously hostile uh, on the other side. And uh, one of the Democrats, uh, you know, probably the smartest of the Democrats. Uh, I didn't, I don't think he wanted to tangle with me on the stuff. So uh, it would have been fun to have engaged him to some extent. But uh, he just went after kind of the weak witnesses on, on right. our side.
0: Well, uh, maybe you did. Maybe that's evidence that, that something was getting through, honestly. I hope that to be the case. But unfortunately, we know that they stick together and they go into this. And when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, from this break, I'm going to play you a little bit of one of the Democrats responses to, or I'm going to say his attempt at a gotcha moment with Dr. Lott that fell flat on its face. It it truly did. And you'll hear it when we come back on Armed American Radio's MonsterCast. We're talking with Dr. John Lott. That's crimeresearch.org here in the Car Firearms Group studio. Six-hour mic all brought to you by X-Insurance. Back one more segment with John.
8: Gallagher wanting to let you know that the crew of the Desperado Sport Fish in Virginia Beach, Virginia supports Armed American Radio and the Second Amendment. And I'm right there with them. Now back to Mark Walters.
0: Indeed, here we are. Final segment of the first hour. I warned you in the first hour at the beginning of this hour. It was going to go fast, fast, really fast, like Talladega fast. I enjoyed watching that race today, by the way. First one I've watched in quite some time, but I love the super speedway races. It was a lot of fun. Uh, buckle in. Believe me, the next two hours are going to fly, too. Car, Car Firearms Group Studios lit up for you. Six hour, mic on Fire, all of it presented by X Insurance. Please go out of your way to visit all of our partners. You can find them at armedamericanradio.com. They make this show possible every single week and when you consider the daily defense every day of the week six days of the seven days so please 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 support them visit armedamericanradio.com and thank them for giving us these discussions every single day and uh, next week we'll mark our 14th year and the start of our 15th year on the nation's airwaves remarkable run let's go back to dr john lott founder of crimeresearch.org dr vod i'm gonna play a maybe a minute i'll I'll decide as why I go through it really kind of gets depends on how angry I get as I'm listening to it again, but a portion of the questioning, and I do not know the individual's name who mispronounced your name, and he's the one i'm gonna go. Do you happen to know his name by any chance? uh
5: I could look it up while you, while uh. we're listening.
0: Okay. Well, if we can get it, if not, it's not a big deal. But, ladies and gentlemen, I edited that part out of the clip simply because of time. So, let's jump in. Here's the way Doctor Lott was treated after giving common sense answers and actual solutions to the problems. Take a listen.
1: What country has the most guns? Possesses the most guns? Possesses the most guns? Say either per capita? I'd say either. I didn't say per capita. Most guns. How many guns are in the United States of America? Well, we don't know exactly. You are, you are crime prevention research. Right. But so research would I know tell you simply on a Google her, research that there are 393 hun- million guns in the uh, in United States of America. Sir, okay, I tr- was trying to answer your question. We don't
5: know exactly. We have guesses. And the reason why we don't know is we have to make estimates about the rates that guns depreciate in order to try to figure that out. Because
1: unlike other countries where you have to have it registered, but... You know why we have to guess? Two. Because people like you don't want us to know. So at the end of the day... I don't know what you people mean. At the end of the day, people who advocate against having regulations on guns. Okay. So again, my question is... If if America has a simple Google research, can come up with 393 million guns in the United States, who leads the world in gun deaths? Not per capita, but simply by... We're below
5: the average in the world in in gun deaths per capita, and we're also... I'm going to
1: ask you per capita.
5: Look, are you going to compare the number of deaths in Wyoming versus Texas, the total? No, you're going to go and look at the per capita rates.
1: No, I'm not. Yes,
5: well, every news report is going to do that.
0: Nobody's going to just. Let's stop right there. You get the idea, ladies and gentlemen, of where this was heading. And, John, it was even when he tried to cut you off, personally, I think you made him look foolish because anybody understands, of course, it's per capita numbers. And you made the the perfect analogy. Are you going to go and compare the number of gun deaths in Wyoming to Texas? He doesn't care, does he? So that individual simply does not care. It was obvious to me that his line of questioning was designed as a big tobacco. I'm going to get you. And I think it fell flat on on its face. And I thank you for standing there, sitting there and taking that and, and keeping calm and answering or attempting to answer his questions. You came out on top of that. And I applaud you for that, sir. Well, thanks. Yeah,
5: it's. Uh representative Jarvis Johnson. He's the ranking Democrat on the, uh, on this, on this committee. And, uh, look, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, w- we see the media sometimes, like when we're talking about things like mass public shootings, they don't put those in per capita rates. And you and I have talked about that type mm-hmm. of issue before, uh, but for murders, anything else they'll do it. So, you know, it's a pretty simple point. If, uh, Uh, You know, I I suspect that even some of the Democratic members thought that uh, that his line of questioning was pretty stupid. But, you know, who knows? It it doesn't it doesn't do any good to uh, get upset about this type of stuff. It's just that if they go and want to make weak arguments, let them make weak arguments. That's their time. You know, they'll use it for that.
0: I got to ask you, how do you how do you maintain your composure? And because I sensed your frustration as that tape continued, you know, I can sense your frustration. Obviously, we hear it here as well. And it is frustrating. It's frustrating for me as well, because they're not interested in the facts whatsoever. They then went on to try to discredit you and quote other lefty organizations that claim you've been discredited a bunch of nonsense simply because they cannot argue with you on, on any of the points that you make. So again, I applaud you for that. Tell us about because it, there well, it was some eruption in the back. Go ahead, John. Go ahead.
5: But it doesn't. It doesn't do any good to get emotional or get upset about this type of stuff, uh, you know, because you don't want to be the issue. The facts have right. to be the issue, and if they if they don't want to go and debate the facts that are there, then you know, I think look. Uh, there's some, one piece of advice that I got many years ago when I first started doing media on this stuff. And that is, uh, there are going to be people who are going to disagree with you no matter what you say. And there are going to probably be people who agree with you virtually no matter what you say. What you have to do if you're going to make a difference on this stuff is you have to aim for people in the middle of the debate. And that's what I was talking about before getting those Republicans who were kind of, you know, innately supportive of a lot of these different types of gun control laws to kind of understand the big picture here, because, you know, so much of this is focused on something bad that's happened. We can't let that happen again. But you and I know kind of if you take guns away from people, you also um, no longer can prevent bad things from happening. And so to try to get people to understand what the net effect is there, you know, so mm-hmm. you'd have people there saying, well, if we could save one life, well, that makes no more sense than if I can say the gun control law will cost one life there. You want to go and try to get people to understand you have to look at the net effect of these things.
0: Well, John, you did a remarkable job. You did a a fantastic job. And this guy's argument was so bad, he tried to blame, ladies and gentlemen. He said, really, more guns is going to solve the problem. He's essentially where he was going. We had 300 and some officers with guns there, and it didn't stop this madman. Of course, he failed to mention that the cops didn't go in like other events they did and actually stopped it. Instead, they waited 77 minutes before they even made a move. Yeah, The whole thing uh, fell flat on its face. John, real quick, we've only got about 30 seconds left. Where can people find you? We want people to join you and help you here in these efforts.
5: Well, people can go to our website to see the entire uh, video that's there uh, on our talks and testimony section of our website. But it's crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org.
0: John, thank you. For everything that you do. And ladies and gentlemen, let me highly recommend that you go and watch that entire video. It's about 28 minutes. Just this one was his latest in Texas. And like I did, you will find it utterly fascinating and it will disgust you and you will sense the frustration as you should, because as a listener of Armed American Radio, you understand as John laid out, there were multiple points he made that can stop this from happening. And there are people on those panels who claim that's what their objective is, but they don't want to listen because they don't like John. They don't like you. They don't like our rights. And they have a completely different objective, and that is to disarm the American population. That is their ultimate goal. Otherwise, they would be sitting down at the table and actually listening to what Dr. Lott had to say. When we come back in the next hour, it's going to be a good one. Stephen Gutowski will be here from the reload. We'll talk about some NRA and Wayne Lapierre, because we got to, and A.W.R. Hawkins from Breitbart News. We'll be back at six minutes after. Don't change the dial. Don't go away. We'll be right back. remember Remember, use promo code AAR.